0: this sorry okay so at this point we've talked about your master's experience and all that now mm-hmm. um which is a pretty we've delved into various issues and i love like the contest of everything and uh, you know it just gives a very clear picture of what it is like you know going through education and getting to be a full scientist like what mm-hmm. like you're, you're a scientist but uh, you know get into a career that pays you because you're still a student. Like now you're in your PhD and you're in your which year?
1: I'm in my third year.
0: now. Third year. And uh, you have been as you from getting to your undergraduate to now, how long has it been?
1: It's been, well, eight years.
0: Eight years. That, that's including the internship period of one year that you mm-hmm. undertook. Yeah. So, um, and you're still doing your PhD, you're still a student. Um, uh, I don't know. Yes, you're working towards this doctorate and you know, after that you go into research and you have your own job and all that. But what, apart from your cousin, who's uh, wondering what's wrong with you, <laughs> what is this that like to yourself? Like, how do you feel within yourself about it? Your parents okay with it, you you know, but what about you? What are you feeling about it?
1: Um, personally, I think in the, in the past I'd be like, it's it's what I want to
2: mm.
1: to be in school to get my PhD, mm. and even if I get that extra one or another one comes, I'd still go for it. Mm. But also there are moments where you're looking into uh, your your career choice and your the path, why it's taking so long to get to where you want it to be. So mm. there's always that question of, that self-doubt of, uh, it's taking too long to mm. get there. It's taking a lot of work to get to where I want to be, mm. to be like, Maybe Doctor Damaris to be like to get to the point where Doctor Jeremy at. Mm. It's taking too long for me, so there's always that bit of self doubt. Mm. And also, I feel like when you when you constantly just want to be a student, it means that there's a part of you that's a bit scared of what's out there outside mm. school. And maybe I also feel that way just a little bit where or I I felt that way a lot when I was getting into my PhD Mm.
2: and
1: and thinking to myself, after this PhD, I might want to do another one and another one and another one (laughs) and never stop learning. And I realized that came out of just being scared of what's out there after school.
2: Mm. Because
1: now this means all my life I've been in one school or another,
2: Mm. learning.
1: But at some point... I need to grow out of... I've gotten all this material from Mm. my school days and now I need to use it Mm. and grow in a career outside of school. And then it comes to now, do you want a career in academia Mm. or industry? Mm -hmm. But already, I I feel like my eyes have already been set on where I want my career to go
2: Mm.
1: and it would be in research. Mm. So... I'm getting more comfortable in the aspect that this PhD might finish soon. And now I, I am well equipped for the next step that does mm-hmm. not involve mm-hmm. another study session where my cousin is asking why I'm never finishing school. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so between your, your masters and mm-hmm. your PhD, what was going on there? What what was going on around there? Ah, uh, yeah. Hmm. So
1: after my master's was mainly my topic was on now characterizing this new microsporidia hmm. uh, from Anopheles mosquitoes. So that was the gist of my master's, mm-hmm. but that was just the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. because aside from that, we were now working towards uh, how. Does it block malaria? So that was the biggest bit of the project. Mm-hmm. So immediately I had submitted my master's thesis. Now we had already continued working on now experiments to show the effect of microsporidia against malaria in the mosquito. Mm-hmm. So we had set up all these, uh, mosquito experiments in the lab and we had tested with different, um, um, Plasmodium experiments where we are feeding mosquitoes with plasmodium-infected blood and mm. we're seeing if these mosquitoes have Microsporidia does it block malaria? Mm. So because I had finished my master's mm. It just meant that the work was really just beginning it mm. wasn't at the end mm. and um From there my supervisor gave me a position to become a research assistant. Now, the bigger part of the project is just starting where we are trying to test, to check how microsporidia in mosquitoes is blocking Mm -hmm. malaria if it does. So now we are trying to feed mosquitoes with plasmodium-infected blood Mm -hmm. and setting up those experiments. So my main job description was now working on that aspect of microsporidia B and malaria blocking, after I got my research assistant position, mm. so this was the time now we are finally finalizing on the main experiment that involved trying to check if microsporidia blocks malaria, yes. and we hadn't published yet, so mm. even. After I submitted my thesis, we had not yet published this really interesting work. Mm. And um, so we are going into 2019. Mm. I finished my master's and I know I want to do my PhD. So the aim was now to try and look for funding mm. for my PhD. And Jeremy actually was very supportive in trying to get me a PhD. He would send me different opportunities. Mm. Uh, there's the Pausty one from JQuart. Mm-hmm. And he would send me like Welcome Trust ads. Mm. And one interesting one was the o- OWSD one. Mm. Organization for Women in Science in the Developing World. I think that's the full name of OWSD. So he sent me that and he asked if it's something that I'd be keen on um applying for. And at that point because I knew I wanted to do my PhD. And also because like you had mentioned, my masters was mostly just wet lab. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted my PhD to focus on bioinformatics. To now really get what I had been taught in school about coding to get Mm. that now into action. Mm. So I knew what I wanted to do was going to be in bioinformatics. And once he gave me that, um, he gave me the ad for OWSD, looking for PhD students, Mm. PhD fellowships, Mm. uh, I applied for that. I also applied for the post one. So in 2019, I was really applying for everything that came my way Mm. that involves a PhD somewhere but also I was really keen to see Microsporidia through to the end hmm. so I had I have mentioned that we hadn't published yet but we were in the process of now working out the nitty-gritties of different experiments before we actually put our paper out to the world hmm. so in 2019 that was my main the main activities going on in my life trying Mm. to finish up microsporidia the microsporidia paper Mm. and also trying to get some funding for my phd because Mm. my focus was the phd and i i had hoped in my mind that the work that i I was doing at the time Mm. would be something that i could go on with in my phd Mm. so already we had discussed with Dr. Jeremy, and we had talked about the different kinds of experiments that we can do with microsporidia for my PhD project. Mm-hmm. And already I had in my mind what um, where I would like the project to be mostly focused on, and it would have been now in bioinformatics. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to get a genome of microsporidia mm-hmm. out there because Once you tell people that microsporidae is blocking plasmodium, Mm. now they need to know, wow, this new interesting microbe, what is so unique about it? Mm -hmm. What is its genetic makeup and how does that help it to work with the mosquito against the malaria? Mm -hmm. So that was a fundamental task. And this discussion was going on while we were still working on the paper. Mm. The paper wasn't out yet. Mm. So with support from Dr. Jeremy, I managed to apply for my OWSD fellowship. Mm. What it entailed was now you personally as a student, as Mm. an aspiring student, you have to look for a supervisor Mm -hmm. in a university that you want to go to Mm. and then approach that supervisor an email and ask them if they would like to work with you on a particular project Mm. so some of the universities that um owsd funds most of them or some of them are in um south africa Mm. and now because one of jeremy's students had been in a South African university. Mm-hmm. He already had a rapport with some of the supervisors mm-hmm. around here. Mm-hmm. So I just went to the websites in different schools. I went to UCT, University of Cape Town, mm-hmm. Big Waters Rand, and Rhodes University. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking for any supervisor that is. biology bit of my project is Jeremy and then the bioinformatics
0: fed. Lillian, L- you had got lost. You're saying you're looking for any supervisor that is? That is working on bioinformatics.
1: So mm. one that the, whose work was mostly bioinformatics mm. because uh, so the plan was to have two co-supervisors. Jeremy mm-hmm. would be one of my supervisors mm-hmm. and I needed to get a supervisor from a university that I would be registered in. Mm-hmm. So then that in we contact different supervisors from different universities. Mm-hmm. So I went through different websites from different South African universities. There mm-hmm. was the University of Cape Town with Watersrand and then uh, Rhodes University, so I was just going through their profile, seeing the work that they're doing, yeah. and see if it's in line with what I wanted to do, and yeah. because my focus was now getting someone who's really into bioinformatics to complement mm. what Jeremy was bringing in with the molecular biology, yeah. I already knew that was what I was looking for, Yeah. so then I got a, a few People that I contacted, mm. and then one of them was Prof. Oslem Tastan Bishop from Rhodes University. Mm. So she's the director of the research unit in bioinformatics at Rhodes. Mm. So I contacted her. I, I, at the time, I already had like a concept note on what I wanted to work on. So yeah. I told her about this new microbe that we have discovered mm. that loves plasmodium, and I want to do some genomics work on it try to check what interesting things that uh, this microbe has Mm. and all that and i sent her the email and she was really interested in the project so she accepted to be my supervisor so that's the thing with OWSD. you have to go look for a supervisor that's in line is in line with the work that you want to do and contact them yourself tell them that you're applying for OWSD and you're planning to work on the uh then you can go ahead with the application because Mm -hmm. then there's this portion where your supervisors have to fill so once a prof OSLEM accepted to be my my university supervisor. That's when I went ahead with my OWSD fellowship application Mm. in 2019. And all I had to do was wait until end of 2019, around October, to see if I had gotten it. Mm. So this was in early 2019. And once that was done... um, while we're waiting, we're still working on the last bits of the paper and the paper mm-hmm. isn't officially out. So by the time we are getting the response from O W S D, mm-hmm. still our paper was still under review and it hadn't It had not been published yet. So people out there did not know what microsporidia or how interesting microsporidia is when it comes to blocking malaria. Mm -hmm. But the interesting bit of 2019, the highlight of 2019 was the fact that I managed to get the OWSB fellowship that Mm -hmm. would start now in 2020. Mm -hmm. And then aside from that, I also got these opportunities to present in conferences. Mm. One of those key conferences was where I had to do a panel discussion with some scientists on malaria control. Mm. And what I found really interesting about that was I went to the panel discussion with a lot of imposter syndrome Mm. drowning me or Mm. drowning my thoughts because I was like, all these people, so there were four of us, Mm. so all these three people as doctors -hmm. i have no clue what i'm on about but but they decided to invite me into this panel discussion Mm -hmm. with Mm doctors there were two doctors and one professor Mm -hmm. and when they're listing their publications or when you go online and see Mm -hmm. their cvs Mm -hmm. it's like pages and pages and pages of publications and these people have so many accolades and you don't even have that one paper that you're still waiting for the review to publish. Yeah. And I I remember talking to Jeremy and not being very sure about what I'm going to say in this panel discussion because mm. they wanted to talk about malaria control and the initiatives that are going on mm. and how each of our different aspects is going to it. And we, we were supposed to be very objective mm going into it then it meant you had to have a lot of experience and these people had experience and I didn't have that sort of experience Mm. and I remember Jeremy taking me through like each question what you expect to be asked how you would answer it Mm. and how to be as diplomatic as possible so yeah there's that really um how do I say it that's very special relationship that students need to nature with their supervisors, mm. and I feel like you have a supervisor that you would you would go to and practice some interview questions with them, uh, they'd be open to help you as much as you can, so a supervisor shouldn't be someone that you're afraid of, yeah,
0: he should
1: be yeah
0: he or he she be, or they? yeah he or she they they mm. should be mm.
1: someone that. You can confide in someone mm-hmm. that is, yes, there is that sort of boundary where he is, they are your mm-hmm. boss, but mm-hmm. then there's also that relationship where you're finding things difficult mm-hmm. and they'd be able to be, to be there for you, to guide you through what you need to do or how you can do it or how you can grow into a certain Thing that you're struggling with. So mm-hmm. that relationship with Jeremy, just having that guide to, helped me with sort of not completely conquering the imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. but going into there knowing that I'm coming in with a fresh perspective. Yeah. These people are talking about um, malaria control based on insecticides
2: mm-hmm. and
1: other things, but I'm coming in telling them, wow, aside from insecticides, there's this thing. Inside the mosquito that Mm. you can actually use to Mm. block malaria so yeah so it was an interesting event it was one of those times i can say i went out of my comfort zone Mm
2: -hmm. it was my
1: first experience i wasn't a hundred percent like perfect Mm. but i'm happy that i did it Mm. it was very (laughs) rewarding in that aspect just getting that exposure and being able to tell people i was once in a panel discussion with Mm -hmm. professor gordon from ghana (laughs) and they they get so paper finally got published and by then i had come to rhodes to start my phd Mm -hmm. and i think we were not ready to see just how to to see how the world would react to our paper Mm -hmm. but it was received so well that we were still very surprised and in awe of everything and it was very gratifying to see that actually the the sleepless nights that we had in the lab were Mm. worth it all the things that we did, all the struggle and hassle, and all the lows and the highs—it actually led to this because I remember uh my supervisor had an interview with the BBC. Several mm. people were talking to him. He even had an interview with DW, mm. and that's not even the best part. The best mm. part was being on Citizen News. Mm-hmm. So, you you or him my supervisor Mm. was, yeah, he was in Citizen News and he was explaining our project Mm. and just seeing that and I remember I was in South Africa of course and I remember my my parents were watching the news Mm. and they were like isn't this Lilian's project and they got so excited and they're they're recording the TV and they're Uh... sending me photos and I think them congratulating me Mm. and being like wow your work is on the news and it's so impressive and it brings tears to my eyes seeing mm. because we had when, you know when you work on something for so long and mm. it feels a bit saturated in your head yeah. you forget just how impactful it is until mm. it's out there and yep. now people are receiving it, and you're seeing the news, they're saying, scientists in Kenya have discovered this thing that yeah. can help with the fight against malaria. Yeah. So that was very, very rewarding. I think that was one of the highest moments of my career, mm-hmm. thing that, yeah. And that's when I delved deeper into my PhD from 2020, and that's where I've been up
0: until now. Wow. How is it so far? Well, um, it
1: does have its ups and downs, mm. but most far outweigh the downs. Mm. PhDs are never easy, mm. no matter what it's in. I feel like it really needs you'd put a lot of effort into mm. it if you really want to get it. What I really love about it is that it's given it's given me the opportunity to really do some coding, like serious coding, mm. less of the lab work and a lot of computer stuff. Mm. And I've learned so many new programming languages that I didn't know, mm. so that's very rewarding. Mm. And um Also just meeting people who are doing very different things because Mm. most of my course mates actually work with proteins and I'm coming in working with the genome Mm. and just having that interaction with people that are working with completely different things from what you're doing. Mm. It's usually a challenge to you because then uh, you have to present in front of these people and they need Mm. to be able to understand what you're talking about yeah and it's a welcome challenge because then that makes you improve your communication skills Mm. in that aspect because you want to make sure you're leaving the conference room having made having made people understand what your work is on Mm -hmm. so that has been very interesting and in the first year, I guess in the first two years, I was okay with working 100% in front of the computer because that's what I've basically been doing. Mm. But recently, especially this year, I've really missed lab work, uh-huh. doing wet lab.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, it feels like I'm sitting a lot and I'm missing out on all the action because back in Mississippi, things are still going on. Mm. Very exciting thing but I'm here in front of the computer, twenty four seven practically. So, yeah, I think that's one of those slow moments.
0: Yeah. Hmm. What What are your future plans, uh, in terms of career? Sorry. What's next? Are you, Have you thought about it, like? Should I ask that question? Like, what are you planning next? Yeah, after I've, this? I've, I've thought about it.
1: You know, mm. once you get to like your third year of PhD, then mm. reality seeps in and now you're trying to figure out now what's the next step in mm. your life? Mm. What do you want to do? And my next step, what I would love to do is a postdoc. Mm. And in as much as I'm very attached to microsporidia, mm. and I know there's still so many things that need to be answered mm. when it comes to this microbe and how we are going to use it out in the field to mm. control malaria. Mm. There's a lot to be done there, and I wouldn't say that I don't want to keep doing it because. Mm. Micro microsporidia feels like my baby and I need to see it grow up to <laughs> an adult and just mm. be proud of it. Mm. So I would love to keep going with it, but mm. I'm also very open to different opportunities that might come in, but it's going to be a post-block because mm. eventually I want to be able to be in this position where I can have my own research team Mm head it and aside from that like my passion really really is in Mm. mentoring young students Mm. young girls i hope that eventually whatever the eventuality of it should be where i'm in a place where i am actively involved in mentoring a young girl's life Mm. into whatever career choices that she makes
0: i know during this conversation you've talked about the highs and lows that you faced um the Mm -hmm. highlights the low moments um i'm just wondering are there Mm -hmm. any lows that you have not mentioned that you'd like to you know, talk about, that might be directly in your career path or in your personal life that might have, you know, affected your career. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: This one needs a, a little bit of thinking. Mm. Um. okay. I guess one of the lows that I've been facing is you know when you start a project you have this timeline that you set and in your head you feel like you'll be able to do one, two, three in this amount of time. Mm. And maybe I was being too uh, I was being too Ambitious. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Ambitious, yeah. I was being too ambitious when I started the project mm. and I, my plans were to have gotten to a point where in my third year, mm. I've already published a couple of papers and mm. I know now I'm on my way towards graduating. Mm. And because I got in already with my project idea and I have all the support from back home from Jeremy, who's working on now, making sure that I have samples sequenced for my genome work. Mm. And now my professor here also making sure that the other chapters are moving pretty fast. Mm. I still feel that I'm not working Mm. adequately enough, fast Mm. enough, Mm. in as as much as I would have loved to. Because now the third day is almost over. We had people saying we are finally in our buzz. Mm. but in September, October, November, no, that's the end of the year. And mm. I'm still working towards my second objective of the research. And mm. I feel like there's always this pressure that I'm falling behind. Mm. And because i have just grown to try and be such a perfectionist, when that happens, I beat myself down too much and mm. I don't feel like, uh, you know, it's it's a bit draining even mentally mm-hmm. thinking about, yeah, it's not working, it's not working. But I guess it's a part of life that people need to accept that your PhD won't go the way you want it. You're going to have like major hurdles, yeah. not just the simple a code isn't running or there's a setback that is easily fixable. Mm. So sometimes things will go beyond your control and you mm. just have to pray that you have the serenity to accept it yeah. and try and catch up. So now I feel like I'm constantly playing catch up with my work, mm. but it's, it's normal. I'm learning to accept it. So, mm. I think that would be the setback that's making now my career path a bit longer than i I want it to be mm. yeah mm. And I'm looking for another major low point. I thank God I'm not as homesick as I used to be when I was Mm -hmm. in high school because I don't know how I would have hacked it.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, How is it like moving to South Africa?
1: Yeah, uh, okay. I was actually very excited for the change. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I got my fellowship letter and I was talking to my dad about it because he, during... While he was still working, he would come to Durban. He would Mm. work from Durban from time to time. Mm. And he knew South Africa well. Mm. So when I told him, because initially I had talked about trying to apply for a PhD, if it meant UK, anywhere in Europe, or Mm. anywhere else that's outside Kenya. So when I came to him with my fellowship letter that says I'm going to South Africa, he was actually very happy Mm. and He was like, At least you're going to a familiar place. It's mm. like he knows me. Mm. <laughs> it would it would be hard for me to settle in really quickly and yeah, and he said at least it's in Africa and it's very close by mm. and he would point at he would give me the map. And mm. then he would point at the town I'm in and mm. point at where Nairobi mm. is and just draw them up and be like, You see, it's easy. People even drive and there's a train mm. and there's a ship, you can go through Indian Ocean, so it's mm. not that far. Mm. So just having those words of affirmation from him and also having reached the point where I I was actually very excited to be doing my phd because i didn't even think when i was applying for the fellowship Mm. i i i didn't think i would get it and Mm. also there was that really long waiting time from Mm. applying it in around march may and then getting the response end of the year you sort of forget that you had applied for it and then you get this email that says you've gotten it you will get really excited Mm. and i was ready for the change to move on to see what the world has to offer while
0: Microsporidia grows with the team back home. Yeah. So what were the shocks that you got or the good things that you got there that we did compare to Kenya? In
1: in South Africa? Mm. (laughs) Oh, okay, so... Rhodes University is in a very small town Mm. in the Eastern Cape of South Africa. So it's a very quiet town. There's not a lot of activities Mm, happening around here. Yeah, it's a bit rural. So, um, the full South African experience might, might be in Cape Town or Johannesburg. Mm. But one of the things that I was actually shocked about South Africa with mm. this load shedding that everyone mm. is talking about. I did not know how bad it was until I got here. Because I used to hear about it but I it really didn't set in my mind that it's actually something that is a big problem. Could you Bath say what and that is? Water. Uh load shedding. Mm. This is where, so there are scheduled times along the day where we don't have power because Mm. they're saving it for something. I don't know the technicalities of it, Mm. but yeah, so they, they try to be very organized in the way that they load shed. uh, Yeah, they load shed, the way they limit the electricity supply. Mm. So they would say they have different levels.
2: Mm. So the higher
1: the level, the more hours you go, through the day without power. it's It doesn't happen throughout the year. There are mm. some days, there are some months that it's necessary, mm. especially during winter mm. when it's really cold and people want to be using heaters all through the night. So mm. um, electricity use is too high and the demand is higher than the supply, so they have to limit it some way. So then they would say, like, this specific portion of the day you won't get Electricity. So currently we are at level three. Mm. This means that we are not getting electricity at least three times, at most three times in a day. Mm. So for today, like we didn't have electricity between five and seven thirty a.m. and then we lost electricity. They came back and then we lost um, it again between one to three thirty and then we are going to lose it again between nine and eleven thirty. You see when I explain to a Kenyan like this they feel like we're
0: living in the dumps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. At that time we were like, oh okay it's better Kenya than South Africa.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But they say that the schools here are really good. The universities are really good. And Mm. I guess I agree. So that's a good bit. And Cape Town is really beautiful. I've been there once. Mm. Uh, Yeah, Table Mountain. If anyone comes to South Africa, I would suggest they go to Cape Town rather than come here. Because here there's not much to see. Mm. They're just like, we do have beaches, really uh, beautiful beaches. Mm. But then also, this coast in Kenya and you've seen the beaches yeah. there, so need something else, something new. So Cape Town would be the place to go.
0: Okay. Um. Mm. Oh my God! It just escaped my mind what I wanted to ask. I feel so bad. Yeah, water. You you mentioned water. Oh
1: yes. <clears throat> okay. So South Africa faces drought talking of water, do you want to drink water? No, I've just drank some. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh as I was saying South Africa faces drought from time to time Mm. and then water becomes a problem. Mm. So you cannot drink water straight from the tap because Mm. they do a lot of Oh, I I hope I'm not shaming my country, (laughs) South Africa. No, I
0: don't think so. It's just reality.
1: Yeah, Mm. there's this thing they call grey water, which is basically recycled water mm. and I, I i didn't know such things existed until i got to this country mm. and you you cannot drink water straight from the tap because you can't trust it at all so we buy water mm. back home i usually just drink water from the tap. Mm. i don't know about you i've I I never sometimes. had to buy water <laughs> 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 it's pretty safe mm. it's pretty safe compared to here Yeah. So, yeah, water is also somehow a problem. Mm. Aside from that, it's a very colorful nation. I like it. Mm. Because you meet people from different places, especially.
0: So that's interesting that's a different sorry aspect. you you were lost for a while i don't know what's happening i mm-hmm. don't know if it's me but you're saying you you meet people from different places
1: yeah mm. yeah oh I, I was talking about uh south africa being a very colorful country mm. and um uh, just being able to meet people from different places and not just different places from South Africa, but from different countries completely, mm-hmm. like in roads and even not going so far as the campus itself, just the department that I'm in, mm-hmm. uh, where I work from, uh, we have so many different nationalities
2: mm-hmm. in
1: just that one department mm-hmm. already. And yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's very ing- and you get to meet different people, different cultures and how different people uh be- their be- different beliefs mm. and uh you know when you're talking about different things that they found very shocking when they came to South Africa then you realize you're not completely alone mm.
0: and it's very comforting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, is there another law that you didn't talk about? Laws
2: of my PhD.
0: Mm. Or th- throughout your career, does not have to be now? Uh, throughout my career. Mm. That you hadn't mentioned?
1: I think I mentioned most of them. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you've also noticed that, um, throughout my career, I've just had so many supportive people. So yeah. even the laws sort of get, uh, they disappear once you have a support system that's able to resolve it with you or mm. be there for you during that period.